Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. As our proposed new hate speech legislation came under an international spotlight, we debate the laws. It's not so much the destination that matters, but the journey. And we are on a journey. Okay? And we are not pausing. In other news tonight, the European Central Bank hikes interest rates again, meaning more pressure and financial pain for mortgage holders. And it's not over yet. And former US President Donald Trump's two-day trip to Doombeg ends with a rant taking aim at his political opponents as he again denies rape allegations. This is a, let me just tell you, this is a political attack. This is a political attack. It's the only way they think they can win the election because they're losing. Later, all the other big news stories of the week so far. You can join our conversation online with your comments and your questions on the hashtag TonightVMTV. Well, first tonight, Ireland's proposed hate speech laws came under the international spotlight this week, prompting further debate on the plans. The newly updated laws are currently making their way through the Oireachtas. The existing law dates from 1989, a time before the internet. Well, two high-profile global figures have attacked the new laws on social media platform Twitter. Donald Trump's son, Donald Jr., tweeted, it's insane what's happening in the free world, while Twitter and Tesla boss Elon Musk posted a massive attack on freedom of speech. Their posts have generated a strong response here. Well, I'm joined now on my panel tonight by executive editor of the Irish Daily Mail, John Lee, Senator Barry Ward from Fine Gael, independent Senator Ronan Mullen, and Liam Herrick from the Irish Council for Civil Liberties. You're all very welcome along to the programme. Um, I'm going to come to you first, Barry Ward, on this. Uh, to give it its full title, it's the Criminal Justice Incitement to Violence or Hatred and Hate Offences Bill. Uh, tell us about it. Why the need for an update? Why the need for this now, given that we have certain legislation in, in place around, say, defamation laws, incitement to hatred, that kind of thing? What makes this so different and so necessary now, in well, your view? The Incitement to Hatred, hatred Act 1989 is old, out of date and not really fit for purpose. We've only had about 50 prosecutions under that Act, so we know that it's not doing what it needs to do. We also know that there are certain groups who are targeting other individuals within society with hate speech, with attacks on them in all kinds of different ways. And it is right and proper that we should put in place legislation that allows the courts and the authorities to ensure that everybody has the right to enjoy their lives and 
their go about their work and, and go about their business in a way that they aren't under attack from this kind of thing. So in the same way that we have restrictions, that you mentioned defamation, for example, not all free speech is obviously a constitutional right, but all rights are balanced one against the other. So on the one hand, you have the right to free speech, but on the other hand, people have the right to their good name, to the right to enjoy their lives and, and, and go about their business, etc. So it's right that we should put in place legislation like this that helps us balance that and take out the extreme elements and make sure that they are there's something that can be tackled by the courts or the authorities, as the case may be. Is it essentially updating what like public communications is? Because that was something that was mentioned in, in maybe 1989, but pronouncing on Twitter and on social media platforms um, is, is where you're hoping this, this bill will cover now. Is, is that yeah, what it, it is? It isn't just social media, but it is all kinds of communications. It could be everything from pamphlets to social media to wherever else you might find the publication of speech or ideas. Now, it's not about trampling ideas. It's not about trampling debate either. It is about taking the hate out of that kind of speech and debate so that it's done in a reasonable and reasoned fashion rather than allowing certain people, and we all know who they are, who articulate really very nasty ideas about who are people. They? Well, I'm not going to name people, but we know that the, if, you, if you're somebody in Ireland who, who is ethnically different, if you're a member of the travelling community, if you're a woman, if you're, um, you know, any one of the groups that is protected by this legislation, you know that you suffer disproportionately mm. more of the kinds of attacks that we see on places like Twitter, but on other platforms as well. And, and you know, sometimes in, in the, on the public streets when people distribute pamphlets, put up posters, whatever it might be. It's not acceptable to target individuals because of who they are, or because of, of, rather than what they say and things like that. People being targeted because they're ethnically different, because they have a different nationality, a different religion. That's not a basis in which to target people and to spew that kind of hatred. Uh, fair enough, Ronald Mullen. It's, you know, it's not fair to target individuals, and this legislation is about protecting those individuals. Well, it's not that long ago since Joe Duffy's Live Line had a discussion about people's fears about the strange new definitions that some people are putting on the word gender and their concerns about young girls being injured by having to play sport with, with biological males. And our Taoiseach, Michal Martin, or our then Taoiseach, came on to give out about and to warn against having these big toxic debates on the airwaves. And I think that sums up in a nutshell the attitude of our government. We live at a time when there's increasing danger of cancel culture. There is a centralisation of power. There's a very real desire among people in power, and not just in Ireland, to interfere with people's natural and legitimate freedom to express ideas even robustly. To listen to Barry, you would think that there were no laws governing insulting and abusive behaviour. You would think that there were no public order offences. You would think that there were no... I, I was in a taxi earlier on today, and the driver said to me, you know, I was recently abused and threatened by the guy in my car. Uh, and, in fact, when I went the following day to complain to the Gardaí, they said, well, did he touch you? No. Oh, well, then we can't do anything. But, in fact, there are laws there to deal with that kind of threatening and abusive behaviour. So if we could get the Gardaí actually applying the laws that are there, that would okay. be a good thing. But, but the government interfering and trying to put a chilling effect, and it's not on people like me. I'm a politician, so is Barry. We have privilege. We can say what we like in the Shannon, and we probably have brass necks as well. It's the ordinary person who's maybe not as skilled in debate. There's a chilling effect on them expressing their legitimate point of view, whether it's right or it's wrong, okay. or issues but of concern But isn't there a difference, uh, Ronan, between personally held views on social issues, say, yeah. versus being 
overtly racist, being homophobic, you know, Nazi slurs. Isn't there a difference here? Shouldn't that difference be acknowledged? And shouldn't there be consequences for someone uh, who takes to social media to spread uh, this? Of course, and we already have incitement to hatred legislation. And it's interesting to hear Barry say, oh, the fact that there haven't been that many convictions means there's some kind of problem. Not necessarily. Barry isn't able to give us the examples of the type of people who should be in jail under the kind of legislation that wants to criminalise people for inciting hatred without even defining what hate is. And I'm, I have to say, very, very disappointed at the civil liberties people, for the supposed civil rights people, the Human Rights Equality Commission. They have been very meek about this. They say they're kind of quibbling with aspects of what the government is doing around okay. the edges. But frankly, Liam, I heard you, you didn't even criticise the fact that hate isn't even defined. If you're going All to right, bring me to, to court, you're going to bring me to court, you should Liam define what you're accusing I, me of. I want of. to let Liam in. I want to sure, let Liam in. It's, Liam, just, um, it's just completely untrue. I mean... This is legislation that was in the Dáil for six months. We made submissions at every stage in the Dáil and we highlighted the deficiencies in the bill at every stage, including the absence of a definition of hatred. There was two years of public consultation beforehand. We made submissions all the way through. We ran a public awareness campaign with billboards explaining what the nature of hate crime is in Ireland today. And there has been a very broad debate. I mean, Ronan in The Challenger during the week said that there was silence until Jordan Peterson and Elon Musk intervened. It's a funny silence. I mean, there's been so many radio discussions, television discussions, mm -hmm. editorials in national newspapers. There's been a, a, an Irish debate about Irish law, which is not about American culture wars. And when Ronan talks about linking the, what's proposed now to criminalise people, inciting other people to carry out attacks against other people, it's not about speech. It's about speech that has direct consequences in people's real lives. Okay. And sadly, yeah, and the statistics oh, about prosecution are significant because over 40 years, 43 years, we've had 50 cases. And if you want to talk about the kind of cases that have not led to successful Ooh. prosecutions, yes. there was communications which suggested that members of an ethnic minority in Ireland, that their babies should be used as shark bait. And there was an attempt to prosecute That's somebody... That's an offence. Well, there was an attempt to prosecute it, and it was an unsuccessful prosecution. There was an acquittal in the courts, Ronald. Frankly, you would have and to show me the details of that case. That is nonsense. To suggest, well, if you're not aware of it, Ronald, that's not my fault. No, 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 because I heard you on with Barry yesterday, and it sounded like you were both on the same side of the argument. Your criticisms of this bill are very, very mild. It sounds like you really want to push it through without really even well, defining actually, what I want to ask is. I can tell you that. what the criticisms Liam, are if you want Liam, to hear them. This bill should not pass that? until here is Can I ask you yeah. about that? Where does the Irish Council for Civil Liberties stand on this? Because I know you say you've made a number of submissions yeah. around all of this. Um, the fact of the matter is, I suppose, this legislation has gone through. It's gone through with relative very much ease in the doll. Now it's gone through the Shannon yeah. stage. So, um, you know, where do you think there's grey areas? Or where, where do you find it's problematic? Yeah, so in, there's two parts of the bill. There's de the bit dealing with hate crime, which is assaults and so on, which have a hate element. And then this piece is leading with incitement to hatred. And in terms of incitement to hatred, Ronan is absolutely correct. The failure to properly define hatred is a real difficulty. It creates uncertainty in the law. There's also particular proposals here, not only to create the offence of incitement to hatred, but there's a proposal to have an offence of possessing or producing material that might in the future be used. And I think that that's a real difficulty. The sentences that are proposed are too high. It's disproportionate. And the powers that are given to the guards to carry out searches for people that are possessing material. Okay. These are all issues we've named for years. And in fairness, Ronan, when you said on the sandwich in the week that they've been silent from the likes of us on this, 
Uh, no, there's no record not, of you saying it's anything about this bill before this week. Well, that's absolutely wrong. I was on, and in fact, I caused a change in the bill because I engaged with the civil servants over a year ago about their exclusion, for example, of any defence for people who might be communicating a legitimate religious point of view. And that shows how careless and how censorious right. the forces behind this bill are. Yeah. No, you have been too silent. This bill shall and should not go through. You in cannot fairness, put in people fairness, into court we've, unless we've you're going to define this, what they're fairness, accused Ronald, of. We've actually had this discussion before, and Liam has been on with us on several occasions discussing the issue around hate crime legislation. So from that point of view, the Irish Council for Civil Liberties has been vocal on from look, the I human just rights organisations. We'll get back to you. They're encroaching but, but, on people's freedoms. Okay, listen, uh, John, um, on this, around, I suppose, um, the concerns that have been raised about it, the fact that this vote happened in the Dáil last Wednesday, very little, you know, talk about it last week. Uh, are the government now surprised about the, the pushback on the international stage? I'm surprised um, at the culture war I'm listening to here. I mean, it, it, a lot of it seems fairly, um, not, not quite anodyne, but sensible to me. When you haven't had a law updated since 1989, we've had progressions in language um, and we've had progressions in society and, and, and a lot of the language that was acceptable when I was a teenager when this, this, this bill was first updated has changed since. There are, there are the, the early part of the, of the act, to my reading, refers to genocide, denial of genocide, war crimes, things that are now happening in the, in the East right now. And there always seems to be an element now that brings a culture war to something, which to me, and an explanation I got from the Department of Justice before it came on, seems like a fairly sensible update, mm. which is a guard has to... Uh, has to take a complaint from a member of the public. He has to understand what that, what that complaint is. Okay. And then he brings it to court. And if there's, if there's a definition to be made of hate or, or any connected crime, a judge will make that definition. All right, well, it definition. is interesting, though, isn't it, about the defining of hate, definition of hate, and for all your kind of disagreements, even though you're essentially on the same side on that, uh, that, that lack of a definition of what is hatred when you plan on prosecuting people for hate speech... Is that problematic, Barry? I don't actually think it is. And I think the danger sometimes with giving a very specific, very unitary definition of something is that it creates an unintended consequence. I don't think there's any doubt in Being anybody's what? mind. Well, I'm saying, just saying if you define hate as one particular thing and then somebody argues that what they've done is slightly outside that definition for one reason or another, that's when a prosecution can fail. So the point is that this is a matter for a jury to decide. And what, what is described here, in the, if you look at the, the use of the sections, it is uh, it's material the communication to the public or a section of the public that is likely to incite violence or hatred against a person or a group of persons and they're defined in the act. I think that is easily understood. And I think that anybody who mm. sees the kind of material we're talking about, the kind of things that, that Liam was describing there, nobody's in any doubt but that that is there to incite hatred. This is not something that is borderline. The kind of thing we're talking about... And, and I was almost listening to Ronan there thinking that he was saying that there was no need for this, but I don't think that's what he's saying, and I don't think anybody thinks that. There is a need for this. This bill is a very comprehensive approach that, as Liam says, it divides into two categories, hate crimes but also hate speech. It is entirely appropriate to be addressing the By two the and doing it together. Admission, there have only been 74 non-criminal hate incidents in 2022, and the guards have a low threshold, because even if anyone feels they've been experienced prejudice, they're asked to report it. So some of these sorry, claims really would be... Sorry, no, no, sorry, yeah, let yeah, me finish no, 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 Some of these cases may be malicious, not objectively true. 
As yeah. a result, wait you are going second, to endanger the freedom of speech of 5 million no, no, citizens. Wait a First freedom of, all, of speech Ronan, matters. Ronan, okay, okay. Hang, on, hang on a second. Barry, do you want, By the do government's you want to own admissions, that admission is statistic. But if people who are the subject of hate crime and hate speech don't feel there's a basis on which they can report it, they're not going to report it. And wait a second, Ronan. Would you let Barry finish his point there? Part of this project is to say to people who are part of ethnic minorities or minorities of any kind that are identified in the bill, we see what is happening to you. And we are going to take a comprehensive step to ensure that we address it and that okay. you can live your lives by the same standard that you and I live them, Ronan, without the fear of hate, without the fear of people spewing misinformation, disinformation and lies about us. This bill is an attempt to say that's not OK. What you We're going to outline that. Okay. And I'll say take the yeah. heat out, the hate Ron, out Ronan, of it. Ronan, I want to ask you. It's you interesting believe, no, can, I ask yeah. you, can I ask you? Mm. People, are, uh, you believe, are entitled to possess and share ideas. Again, you know, where, where do you draw the line around ownership, ownership of ideas... What does that mean and, and, and where does it go too far, in your opinion? It, look, it all goes too far once you put a chilling effect on ordinary people from expressing ideas that are not... In, and where does not it go intended too far to endanger in, others. In, in your so, opinion, for example, in the area of there's no, hate, there's no, where does it go too far? There's no desire, for example, to protect the homeless among the protected char characteristics in this bill. But what you do have is a situation where the process becomes the punishment. You have a situation where you have certain groups in this society who have strong access to media, who can build well, up maybe campaigns. Well, you're talking are, about minority groups no, here. No, no, no. I'm talking about elite culture groups who already are very good at okay. accusing you, people of, hate, of being haters. Who are you haters. talking about, Ronan? I'm talking about anybody who accuses others already. In, anybody Famous. who uses the word hater, and you see a lot of it in public discourse and social media, now these people will say, oh, you're actually breaking the law. And these people will put pressure because they have cultural access. You yeah. see, this is about the great and the good, about those who are in, interested in cancel culture and who don't like Liam. ordinary Liam. people who express their views awkwardly Liam. sometimes, Liam. but Ronan. who are not actually Ronan. out to hurt other Please, people. I want to, get, I want to make sure other voices get into this conversation. Yeah. If we want to hear from the the ordinary people. The reason that hate crime is important and the reason that hate, incitement to hatred is important is because when you have a family who's a migrant family, and we heard from these in the course of the Oireachtas debate, migrant families who are the victims of persistent campaigns of arson, of graffiti, of intimidation of their children in their community because of the colour of their skin or the religion which they profess. If they're experiencing that on an ongoing basis, it isn't just a crime against them. You talk about chilling effect, it inhibits them from having the confidence to take part in their community, but it also inhibits other members of that community. It intimidates, it frightens, it silences them. That's all, why hate crime is important. Well, you're talking that. about there may be an initial crime that's easily prosecuted under law, but then you'll have a ripple effect commentary around this that is that is actually leaving an entire uh, community vulnerable. Is, I think, is, that, is that what you're I, saying here? I think that the needs problem here is we're focusing, you know, just on the criminal law and the statute part of it, which is important for a very narrow range of behaviour. The bigger part, and I think this is where we're disappointed in what the government have done so far, is that for the vast majority of the experiences people have, which should not be criminalised, the state should still try to have public education and change attitudes and behaviour to try make, to express to people... But not make it criminal. Not make it criminal. So you, criminal you don't should... believe the law, that, that laws are needed here at well, all? It's about no, education. No. Incitement to hatred should only apply to a very narrow set of circumstances where the speech you have has direct consequences and incites people to commit assaults or attacks against okay, other exactly. people. But, and if you don't define Josh, hate, listen. then you're, you're not achieving that because you're going with a broad thing. brushstroke. Well, you shouldn't be... You shouldn't Sorry, be saying this on. legislation should but not, it's not pass. John? It's, the, the bill, if it's read without 
the pyrotechnics specifically says that um, that a person is entitled to express an opinion that people may find offensive, that maybe that they disagree with, but. But again, the courts will judge whether that, should it ever end up there, or a Garda has the, has the discretion to do so, to, to judge whether that was actually incitement to hatred or not. And that can be judged. Secondly, there are lower offences. So what, what this principally seeks to do is that if a court determines that, say, an assault is carried, on, carried out for reason of gender or race or, or something else, there is, a heightened, there is a heightened penalty for that. But you still have the lower penalty where a person can be prosecuted and convicted for assault with intent to harm. Well, let's talk about the penalties in question because this is something that, you know, across the board on the other side, that there's issue taken with that people can face, you know, five years in jail and that kind of thing. Is that, I mean, first of all, how realistic is it that people will be prosecuted under these laws if we have yet to define what hatred is, Barry? And then, you know, if it is defined, say, in a court by a judge or otherwise... um, you know, what do you think is reasonable in terms of jail time? Well, first of all, I think it is highly likely that if people are behaving in a certain way, they will be prosecuted under this legislation. That is what it's for, and I believe it's robust in that regard. So I don't have fears about that. In terms of the, the appropriate sentence, obviously every case is different, and every the circumstances of every offence, as well as the circumstances of every offender, are different. So it's impossible to say what a reasonable sentence would, would be without seeing the crime. But the, and what it, sort of, like, could well, people... I'm just, for an example, I'm just trying to think, is it yeah. if someone tweets something um, that is, you know, let's say, as I say, a Nazi slur or, you know, some, something that know is... Clear. Clear. That's the whole point. Well, we, we don't we, know. We do know, actually. We don't know, because so, so what, the word hate is, isn't is defined. It, is it pulled yeah. at the point of complaint, then, in terms of Gardaí's or seeing where they may the way, the way arrest and potentially prosecute yeah. here? It is, it, we do know exactly what it is, and it's people who publish material that is designed to incite hatred against a particular group that is defined within the bill and will be defined within the Act. Where somebody sees that happen, they can report it to the Gardaí, the Gardaí conduct an investigation, they then submit a file to the Director of Public Prosecutions, and the Director of Public Prosecutions makes a decision, and that's specifically in this bill, only the DPP makes a decision on whether somebody should be prosecuted or not. As to what the appropriate sentence is, that depends on the seriousness of the, of the offence, the effect it had mm. on the person concerned and okay. the offender themselves. But wh- whether two years or five years is the appropriate amount, five years is a maximum. When you consider the damage that is done by this kind of behaviour to individuals, to their social group, to our right. whole society, I don't think five years is disproportionate. Uh, Ronan, do you by think, the way, you, you say designed. Do you, do you it doesn't believe, even have to be designed, Ronan, actually. Do you believe that um, some may fear those consequences and may think twice um, before engaging what could be deemed hate speech. That's right. That's what this legislation is intended to achieve. It's intended to have a chilling effect on people who have strong views of various kinds and who don't express them maybe in the educated manner that Barry or some of us here who are used to public debate do so. There is a desire from the centre to control ordinary people in the way that they speak. And my point is what we should be doing any time we ever threaten the criminal law on people, we owe it to citizens to say, you have a right to know exactly what, what it is what you're about, being accused what, what of. What you mustn't overlook the failure to define, define hate. What about Holocaust deniers that, that, you know, 
what about those aspects that have been added to this bill now mm. to deal with issues that have really, I suppose, come to the fore and come to the fore in I the age of social media? I haven't media. heard anybody object to that because there's a particular historical context for that. The issue... Context, the issue... There's a historical context for, his, for Holocaust denial and the problem that mm. it is. Let, let's not distract from the main issue. The issue here is that you have a blunderbuss approach well, by not, government... Sorry, John, issue. let me finish the yeah, point. I don't and think the central... No, 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 no. You're just but on board with the government. The worst case scenario is that ordinary uh, people won't... Word let me finish. No, 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 let me explain to you. Let me explain to you. The worst case scenario is that ordinary people won't express their ideas because they worry about a knock on the door from the guards to say, you know, you're not really allowed to talk like that. But it That's the problem. Explains it's the that chilling that effect happen. on free speech. I don't accept explanations but, from government spokespeople or media here, who want to... Well, who are you going to on this, I know you're seeking a number of amendments and you referred yeah. to that just briefly around, um, you know, the, the Section 10 and how, um, I suppose, uh, what defines what people, you know, have in... Yeah have in their homes, say, and what they, they plan on, on spreading or, or, or using yeah. to, to propagate hate speech. Are those sort of changes that you think are proportionate, reasonable and, and possible to amend at this point? Oh, they, they clearly are. I mean, there was amendments proposed all the way through the Doyle stages by a wide range of people in the opposition. And what was disappointing at the third stage was that the minister didn't accept any of the amendments. And I think an opportunity was missed. But, I mean, if any of us are serious about getting the law correct... The thing to do is to propose amendments in the Oireachtas. Now, we have two members of the Shannon here today, and I hope, given the views have been expressed, and there is some common purpose here, um, that, that people could put forward amendments, and I think there could be broad consensus. Would, really you agree with me, would you agree with me, I'm sorry, but this is important, would you agree with me that this bill should not pass without a definition of hate in it? I agree. That's what we've said that, the well, whole way through. Sorry, then, importance. on potential amendments to this, yeah. uh, defining hate being, being one of them, mm -hmm. and the other around um, some of those other issues that, that Liam has brought, brought up that, that could be amended at this point that you may, about the proportionality of it all. Um, what would you take from that? Yeah, well, firstly, I will be bringing forward amendments, and the Shannon has shown its capacity to make um, considered amendments to legislation that are sometimes accepted by ministers because they see the wisdom of them. Um, but in terms of the proportionality, one of the issues that Ronan has given us a discourse on there is the fact that you could possibly express mm. a genuinely held belief and then fall foul of the criminal law. Yes. There is a specific provision in each of the sections that creates an offence that says that where there is a reasonable and genuine contribution to literary, artistic, political, scientific, religious or academic discourse, that is excluded from it. Okay. There are lots of measures in here, defences, protections, including uh, the protection, okay. for example, of the DPP deciding who gets prosecuted, and that will safeguard all of the citizens And the, and the ordinary person who's accused has jumped through the hoops of making a defence okay, for it. Okay, we're going to free speech. We're have to leave it there. My thanks uh, to Liam and to Ronan. Uh, Barry and John are going to stay on with me. Coming up next, more pain for mortgage holders as the ECB hikes interest rates yet again. Do stay with us. Important sunrise of the year. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back. Barry and John are still here with me. I'm also now joined by the Dublin editor of the Irish Times, Olivia Kelly and Owen Thomas McDermott from the Communications Clinic and on Skype tonight by David Hall, co-founder of the Irish Mortgage Holders Organisation. Um, you're all very welcome along. I want to come to you first, David, because this is obviously a big story today and it's about the latest uh, ECB rate hike going up by a quarter of 1%. Who's being hit hardest by that move? Uh, good evening, Terry. Yeah, the, the immediate hit is obviously the tracker mortgage customers where infamously everyone celebrated having a tracker for many, many years and we've had a low interest levels for many years and people have adjusted and adapted to that. So with immediate effect from next month, the 0.25% will um, add on to tracker mortgage customers straight away. That will, on an average mortgage, you know, a 0.25% increase announced today, add on about €200 Euros for the year. And it's sounds like a small amount of money, but it will add on to the existing €2,300 which is the total average amount of the last six rate rises. So this will bring it closer with one more rate rise to come possibly to two and a half thousand euros in addition, above and beyond their normal tracker rate mortgages at an average of 1.15% heretofore. Uh, David, what impact do you think it's going to have on those not normally in arrears, you know, two-income families, say, who wouldn't have slipped into arrears before? Do you think that this, which is the seventh rate rise, um, Will will impact on them and could push them into that into, into debt. Yeah, I think the, the minister for finance, Michael McGran, acknowledged today that there is an expectation uh, that people will go into mortgage arrears, and these are you know the last time we had a, a crash uh, recently, which is not too long ago. Many people lost jobs and construction. There were a whole host of other issues that arose at the time, leading to people um, having in, entering into arrears. We still have some of those mental health and normal health issues that arise. But we're at full employment and we have now got people in normal incomes, families, middle Ireland paying taxes and uh, hit with the cost of living crisis. And on top of that now being hit and, and slapped very, very hard with rate rises. And also there's a disparity amongst the entire community of the lenders as to, you know, we have a cohort of 50,000 people who are on fixed mortgages who in the next three years will come off those fixed into a completely different landscape where their entire budgetary components at home will be different. We have a tracker rate in people, as we have already mentioned, 157,000 of them being increased up by, by over 3% in, in the last seven or eight months and still no end in sight. And we have a, a bizarre situation of 60,000 customers who are with the vulture funds who are sold uh, by mainstream banks and indeed some by our own owned banks like permanent TSB are now on an 8% uh, rate currently. So with no option of fixing. So there, there are very serious situations out there for many people and many people watching your programme tonight and indeed listening to other programmes, you know, aren't normally those who turn up protests and go to protests. They have a home. 
they have jobs. They're normally functioning in society and they're quite happy to do so and they're paying their way and they're propping up a lot of other things. But now they're feeling the pain. Now they're feeling the pinch. And it is fair and it is reasonable. And there is a delicate balance for government, I acknowledge that, to try and help mortgage holders while at the same time trying to control uh, inflation. And it is a delicate balance and everyone has to acknowledge that. But we are able to work miracles with 298 pages of legislation to bail out banks and we need to be fair and reasonable. You know, people can drown in small bits of water. We need to be very, very careful that people are under immense pressure. These are people who are not used to this. And my, my call to them, as we, through the Irish Mortgage Holders Organisation, are seeing in the last six months a very serious increase in activity. There are organisations like the Irish Mortgage Holders Organisation, there's MABS and there's the Insolvency Service and you must engage with your lender. You know, Do not stick your head in the sand. We've learned some lessons the last time. Government need to step up and um, change the insolvency legislation, fine-tune the insolvency legislation, ensure there's a correct balance between lenders. The central bank needs to wake-up call. It needs okay. a complete not a wake-up call Let's... and an overhaul to ensure it protects consumers. OK, while people can, can, can seek uh, advice on this and help on this, what David Hall is saying is that at this point, the government needs to step up. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't within the power of the government to increase the ECB rate by a quarter of a percent. It is a function of the fact that inflationary pressures are there and, and, and as a Eurozone, we need to deal with that. But at the same time, what David says is correct. There are certain people, hopefully a small number, who will find particular pressure and the danger of going into arrears. And I agree, and, and David mentioned all the support services there, there already, but I agree that the government needs to safeguard okay, those so people or whatever. But there's lots of ways in which that can be done. But one of the ways in which we can particularly target Mortgage holders, without affecting the rate of inflation, is in relation to mortgage interest relief. It's a very easy way to directly affect those paying mortgages, most of whom are also income taxpayers and can benefit from that. That's one small way. But okay, but so far you're saying, as Sinn Féin have been calling for it, there mm -hmm. have been calls across opposition benches for something to be done. Yeah. But and, the government and, and isn't we, saying we, that nothing should be done, We Claire. keep hearing the, the government holding out. No, no, the government is not saying that nothing should be done. But nothing should be so done was, now, is well, what you're saying. Well, we should certainly wait to see what the effect is, but we should be ready to go at the same time. Well, in we, fairness, we can already in see fairness, the effect by what David well, Hall is well, we saying we can't there. see the effect yet because we don't know how it will affect individual mortgage you, holders. You but want in fairness, to see how many people this? and the, arrear, the number no, of people no, I'm not saying wait until it's a problem. But what I'm saying is we do have to wait. The effect isn't, it's not going to kick in for a month, first of all, for, in terms of, of the tracker mortgages, for example. But, but this government has not been found wanting in terms of providing supports for people in terms of cost of living, COVID, whatever it is. When the, when the crisis is there, the government has responded in kind and protected people. And Tomas, um, on this one, um, are there ways around helping the homeowner or do you think, I mean, we talked about bank bailouts and and all the financial aid given to the banks. Um, should banks have autonomy to pass on every rate rise? Should there be curbs there, do you believe? Should there be more done to help um, homeowners and those who have to fork out so much more on their mortgages this time compared yeah, to last year? And so you would have huge sympathy for people on trackers because the expectation is that there's going to be more interest rate uh, hikes this year. Christine Lagarde was saying that they're not finished. And the narrative around the interest rate hikes was that it would get their arms around inflation, but that just hasn't happened yet. It is clear it hasn't worked. But even if you think in Ireland, for example, the level of spending hasn't slowed. The amount of household savings is extraordinary. The amount of people still planning their foreign holidays this summer is extraordinary. The the amount of tourism that we're planning coming into the country and exiting the country is extraordinary. So without that slowing of spending, inflation is going to stay where we're at, which is very worrying for those people who are 
on tractor mortgages where we see the increases and we hear the ECB are saying that they're going to still increase. And if you look back as far as, say, Milton Friedman, for example, he said when there is an injection of cash into the economy, like we would have seen during COVID, and rightly so, when there is an injection of cash into it, what we see is inflation rising and that there needs to be hard decisions made in terms of interest rates. And so therefore, we're going to feel the pain with the interest rates. But unfortunately, it's probably going to ultimately end in a dampening down or a slight recession, which is going to lead to more pain. So it's not good news. And we'll be interested to find out what uh, the mm. government have to support people through this t difficult stage. Yeah, that's one thing that was very clear from this. Christine Lagarde saying, um, Olivia, uh, not planning on pausing these rate rises anytime soon. Certainly staying on this path of inflation, of, of, of rate rises to curb inflation. Yes, and I'm interested in what Barry has to say about the mortgage interest relief and how that will work, whether it'll be targeted. Because we do have people who have fixed rates and are, are on long-term fixed rates. And are they going to benefit from this, the more people who are in a more comfortable position? Like, how is this actually going to work in terms of a, of the, of a mortgage interest relief? Barry? Well, mortgage interest relief applies across the board proportionately to the amount of be being paid by the mortgage. But I don't think we should get un unduly hung up on people with tracker mortgages. Obviously, it has been identified, certainly in the first instance, they will suffer most. But everybody who is not on a fixed rate is going to suffer from an, from an increase in the ECB-based rate. So uh, let's not say that they, people should be excluded. I do agree that whatever other supports the government puts in place should be targeted at those who need okay. them. Um, and that, that's a reasonable way to react to it. OK, to move on to other news today, and former US President Donald Trump left Ireland today after a flying two-day visit. He blamed his departure on an ongoing civil case in the States in which he's accused of rape. Well, before playing golf today, Mr Trump attacked the civil trial, claiming it was politically motivated. This is a, let me just tell you, this is a political attack. This is a political attack. This is the only way they think they can win the election because they're losing. Biden's losing. He's down by 11. And my uh, Republican opponent is down by 45. He's disappeared. But this is a political attack. Well, that golf course was a far cry, John, from a New York courthouse where he's facing a, a rape case. Yeah, um, a unique man who um, would... Um, bring a rape case to that level and he has dragged politics to a, a level we've never seen before. I mean, it is repulsive, um, his behaviour in so many ways. But we have to acknowledge that he is probably going to be the Republican candidate in the next election. And um, Joe Biden is almost, is certain really to be the uh, Democratic uh, candidate. And that outburst just shows you that... Um, Elections matter probably more than they have in a long time. If Marie Le Pen, for instance, we, uh, beats Macron in France, if this man somehow returns to the White House, we've got problems worldwide. He, and anyone who thinks it's a joke, and I think sometimes we're all inclined to see him as a comic figure, should know what he says. He said, you know, I will be a retribution, he has said to his supporters recently, which means that when he returns to the White House, mm. if he, God forbid he does return to the White House, he will settle every score he possibly can. And think of the incendiary effect of a man like him in the midst of a war with Ukraine. Mm. Joe Biden is, is, is extremely popular in the United States right now, before an election campaign. We know campaigns matter. But... A lot of that is down to how deftly he has dealt with the Ukraine crisis, among other things. Yeah, but on this, you know, um, 
um, own, like a, a marketing campaign really, a play here again when you get to fly into your own resort and, you know, meet the locals who are very happy for all the employment as well um, that, that, that he's, he's offering for a place like Doonbeg. So it, it's sort of a win from Trump to get away from all the troubles back home. Uh, yeah, that he's been afforded here. I think we, we know that Donald Trump tends to do what Donald Trump wants to do. So it has been a marketing campaign, his time in Scotland, his time in Doombeg, and then his engagement with the media. There was nothing necessarily uh, surprising in how he approached it. He attacked the accuser, he attacked the investigation, saying it was politically motivated, and then he reminded us all, or certainly made assertions about how popular he was. I think that what's interesting, though, is when we compare his 2016 visit to now, when he came in 2016, there were protests, there were people weighing up whether or not we would have the baby Trump blimp flying over Doombeg. Uh, we were saying he couldn't travel to uh, Dublin. And this time there was nothing. And I think that's striking that Donald Trump has become a little bit boring. And when I think of what John has described... Well, he's I take, also not, not president. I'm, well, I, and I, take, I take a bit of solace, though, in the fact that he is becoming... He's not quite as hot, certainly not as hot in Ireland, not quite as hot in America, that we can hope maybe that... Uh, that boredom factor uh, and that difficult perhaps mm. second album he's facing uh, might be difficult <laughs> That's over the next That's one way of while. describing it, Owen. <laughs> well, look, we'll have to leave uh, that conversation there for now. My thanks to uh, Barry and uh, to David who joined us on Skype, but we will leave it there. Lots more after this break, though, on the big uh, news stories of the week, so do stay with us. Welcome back, John Lee, Olivia Kelly and Owen Thomas McDermott are still here with me on my panel for a look at some of the other big stories of the week. Olivia, I have to come on the, to you on this because you wrote, uh, you wrote up this piece. Galway looks like a mouthful of broken teeth, says one of the world's leading planners. A brilliant headline. Um, what a statement and so visual. Um, but what was it? Now, tell us more about what um, this German planner had to say about one of our beloved cities. Well, that is what has got all the focus, that, that he, he insulted Galway or he insulted the area around Dublin Airport um, and that people, people are taking umbrage, this, this foreign lad coming in and, and insulting our lovely towns. But what got lost in that is his central message, is that we're not planning our cities for the future. And he doesn't mean the far future, he means the very near future. And he said he was, he was in to talk at a conference in Galway. He hadn't been there, he said, I think in 50 years, and he couldn't get over how ugly the approach to Galway had got. And he's not talking about the city centre. And he, he was quite specific about that. And he said he'd say to his own planning students, he says, if you want to see what a city is like, don't be going to the nice historic downtown area. Go and look in the suburbs, go and look at the outskirts and see how they're functioning. And what he said is Irish cities are not functioning well. We're far too reliant on the private car. I think we all know these things, mm -hmm. but he has come and very starkly pointed them out. And he also at the conference, he challenged people. He said, well, show me your plans, show me your plans, not for 2050. We have these different climate change targets. Everyone, he said, likes to talk about 2050 because it's very far away. But there's a near-term target of reducing carbon emissions by 40% by 2030. Now, that's only around the corner. And he said nobody wanted to talk to him about it. Nobody wanted to say what their plans were for their city to meet those targets and how it was tied to the budget of their city. He said he couldn't get anything out of anyone on it. So a head and sand approach, John, but again, I suppose putting the spotlight on how we are developing our cities and whether it's in a sustainable way. There's always been so much focus on, um, on that you know, urban sprawl from somewhere like Galway and whether 
you know, the, tra the proper transport links are in place uh, to cope with a growing population there and how it looks for somebody coming in. Yeah, um, I, I think um, I should defend my country in a, in a, in a, in a hope, with, I would hope, a sensible way. You don't way. like what Wolfgang I was had in, to say. No, I was in part... Well, like, we, we're inclined to look at our history as uh, being a little more extended than it is. Like, I remember going through North Dublin on the way to school, North, North City, and I used to go through rubble. I mean, we, we kind of forget how bad we were until, until the boom, the much maligned boom, came along in the mid-90s. In, mid in Germany history has allowed them to build their cities in a, in a different way. I was in Paris a few weeks ago and was struck by how, how well everything worked, how well laid it out it was. But we have to understand that in, in the mid-19th century, they had autocrats who were able to level their cities and so build their cities there, in a different way. Saying, well, I just, I just think moder it, nowadays... Paris has made a very big change now in a, in a very short space of well, time in putting in cycle well, lanes. They weren't there back in well, Huntsman's days. Yeah, you know? when Napoleon III was able to level the city and build it in a grid structure that, that just isn't possible here. Even if you go back to... How, in, yeah, but it's uh, not now excuses even, for not doing even the if you right go back thing to in terms urban, of planning. Even if you go back to urban... I mean, you could argue that we have had more opportunity in, the, in, that, in that case. Even if you go back to urban regeneration in the United States during the 50s and 60s, a lot of that was done by moving out what were called slum, sure. slum areas. Yeah. So th there's an inability to do what they, what they used to be able to do in other countries. So it, it'll, it will take time, but okay. I don't think... You're being very political. I don't think rolling this, over everyone's rights in that fashion is but as easy rights, as it is in Germany. But what rights are being, being I rolled over? I don't, I don't think it's as easy to do what, what a German uh, um, planner would like to see done that was done in Germany in other parts, in, in, in other times. Under common law, it is, it is extremely difficult. I'm not saying it's right, but it's extremely difficult to plough uh, a railway through a certain area. There are challenges, there are core challenges. It is a huge criticism right. I have okay, of the system. Also, but you, also, you, have, you have to understand inaction, that the system is also, different. There's also inaction, I suppose, and promises that were made decades ago that we still haven't, haven't seen when it comes to big um, transport infrastructural projects as well. Look, I want to talk uh, briefly about King Charles's coronation and uh, I suppose the interest in it here. Owen, are, are you interested? Will you be watching it? Because there's been criticism, hasn't there, about four hours of it being shown um, on Irish terrestrial yeah, television. Yeah, there has been criticism in relation to why RTE are showing it. Uh, I think it, the reason is simple. It, it'll get ratings. There's not a whole lot on RTE on a Saturday morning, so it'll probably get the viewers. Will I watch it? I'm not sure. I find, it, I find the Royals a little like Nick Cave when he was describing why he was going as very strange and interesting and eccentric, and it is going to be one of the most significant moments in UK history, mm. so it might be interesting to watch. What I think is, again, interesting is if you compare his mother's coronation to his. So Queen Elizabeth's uh, coronation 70 years ago and what that meant for Britain and what it signified. It signified empire, uh, power, uh, the Commonwealth, a significant role on the world stage. Whereas if you compare it to what it means now, really the coronation is a combination of the Kardashians, Disney and uh, the Oscars. You have the glitz of the Oscars, you have the family woes of the Kardashians and you have Disneyland of being a tourist attraction. And that combination of what the royals have become, I think, signifies what Britain is on the, uh, mm. on the world stage. And they should be milking it, no more than we would milk St. Patrick's Day. They should be milking it for significance and 
profile. Yeah, but interesting with all of this, um, Olivia, the tone from, from the police in the UK around any potential protests that may be there, that they're going to clamp down and clamp mm. down really hard on that. Now, the, many would take issue with that, saying, look, we've every right, surely, to go out and protest as much as celebrate uh, the coronation of a king, let alone the personal asking people to pledge allegiance uh, to uh, the British king from their own sitting rooms while watching it at home. Well, it, it remains to be seen how much protest there will be and how much clampdown there will be. People say a lot of things before these events. I think it's and the new laws. It's a new legislation that's come in there about, about clampdowns on protests that uh, people are taking issue with now that are being enacted so strongly ahead of this coronation. And swearing allegiance in your, in your sitting room now. It's <laughs> yeah, protests. Yeah, no, yeah <laughs> probably not. But, yeah. You never know. You, I, I'm, I'm... You're not bothered. You know, am I? Am I bothered? Yeah. Do you think Irish people are? Um, there's, there's always a cohort of people. You see the people, any royal wedding or that sort of thing, who'll watch it, you know, who have that fascination, who'll watch it. Uh, I, w I won't watch it, you know, and I'll probably see the highlights on the news later on, but that'll be the extent of it. But just uh, the criticism that, that RTE has got for showing it, and some of that criticism mentioned the, the cost of it, this will be shocking cheap telly for them. Very you know, cheap. it'll just yeah. be a feed in. No doubt. And, and as Owen was saying, it'll, it'll fill a Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, and... Uh... That, yeah, they, they, they will have the coverage of that uh, across the day. I think we're going to be covering it in part as well. I'm sure we will <laughs> oh, find yeah, some way of doing it in short part. Uh, just briefly, um, on the update to uh, who's in the Late Late Show running, it's certainly not Claire Byrne. She's ruled herself out, John. Yeah, we're just speculating um, at half-time there whether there, she knows something we don't know. Um, maybe, maybe the show isn't going to be what it, what it used to be. Mm. I mean, it's going to be very hard to sustain a two-hour show on a Friday night. But again... We were talking about the ratings and the money that the, the coronation may make and must still make money. I suspect she knows something the rest of us don't know. All right, there we will leave that. Uh, that Glitzy remains. signing. That Claire Brock, maybe. To be seen. That is it from us. My thanks to all our panellists tonight, everyone who's joined us on the show. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. You can also now find us on Instagram and on TikTok. But from all the late team here, good night. Take care.